From Bubble House, this is Obsessed. I'm Elaine. And I'm Jana, and we're your hosts of this podcast. In each episode, we'll talk about pop culture, being in our 20s, and things we're obsessed with. We'll unpack our feelings about the good, the bad, and why they matter. Okay, today's episode is going to be a little bit different and very special. Yes, this is a topic that's very close to all of our hearts. It's something that really saved me personally in the pandemic. We are going to talk about internet friends. Yes, and we're going to interview some Bobble House OGs, Wen Xiao, Chloe Xiang, and of course, Leona Chen, to talk about community, internet friends, and what they're up to now. In planning out this season of the podcast, Jana, Ophelia, and I realized that we are all actually internet friends. We connected online, and we got to know each other before ever meeting in person. And yes, I did stalk Jana extensively on Instagram before (laughs) our first ever video call. And of course, I did the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, I've actually still never met any of you in person, which is really crazy to think about. I know. It's like, but we're all in North America, so I don't know why we can't make it happen. I guess it's just time. I think we can make it. Yeah, we'll make it happen eventually. We'll make it happen. Yes. Elaine, how do you define internet friends? What is your experience with them? Um, I think I define internet friends as people you meet through online communities, such as social media channels. Mm-hmm. I think back in the day, it was more MySpace or Tumblr, right? Because it's more intimate it, compared mm-hmm. to TikTok and Instagram, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Tumblr, you're writing fanfic about a very specific <laughs> niche mm-hmm. and it's very personal, it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays, it's more TikTok and Instagram, mm-hmm. which is a more popular way to find people that share similar interests to you and niches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Tumblr, and I I do think that people experienced like real true internet friendships in yes. the age of Tumblr. I didn't have that experience personally, but I did make some really amazing internet friends during the pandemic, mostly Aww. through Instagram. Yeah. Um, and like these friendships just felt so incredible so exciting and like such a breath of fresh air because I was getting to meet someone new and get to know someone new safely yeah um and these new connections are all based on common interest because I'd posted about something or they'd posted about something and so we already had things in common things that we were passionate about passionate enough about to want to put it on social media yeah and it's kind of like vetting someone like in real mm-hmm. life, when you meet a new person, you don't really know what their interests are, whether they even right. like the same things. Right. But online, you already know what they're into and you are like, okay, I'm ready to be vulnerable with this person about my interests yeah. because I know you love it as much as I do. Versus right. in real life, there's a bit of time and like emotional connection that you need to build before that right. stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of my really big internet friendships started with BTS. <laughs> I, I feel like in the past, I would have been way too shy to openly stand a boy band mm-hmm. online. But what else was I going to do in 2020? And anyways, I feel like what I learned from this is that being really openly into and passionate about your interests makes you really easy to talk to. It makes people want to talk to you. And it makes you more fun to talk to, for that matter. Yeah. Were these BTS fans using Instagram or mm-hmm. other forms of social media? Like, how did you find them? It was all on Instagram for me. It would start with someone, me or someone posting like a song or a picture of one of them on our stories. And we'd start replying to each other, eventually launch into a conversation about like 
who's your bias? Like favorite song, mm-hmm. favorite album, blah, blah, blah. Um, at one point I was even in a Geneva chat room with like 15 other super cool girls from around the world who were all just BTS fans. Like that's the only way we knew each other. Friendships that start online are so interesting too, because you might follow each other mm-hmm. on social media, like each other's posts, but what compels you to actually reach out to them and start a real conversation or friendship? I usually reach out to people when they inspire me or... Mm-hmm. I realize something we have in common because of something they posted on their story. I think mm. stories are a really good way to connect with someone yeah. because it's like part of their everyday life. And you're like, hey, I do that too. Or I like yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. Stories is like the most social aspect of Instagram to me because it's so easy to reply and start like a private conversation. Yeah. Um, I definitely reach out to people based on common interests, but there also has to be something about them that makes me feel like we could actually be friends. I think I made a lot of friends via BTS because openly standing something tells me that you're not too cool or Mm -hmm. aloof because you're not above fangirling. And I really like that in a person. Yeah, I think even though standing a pop group can be seen as like a surface level connection, it says Mm -hmm. a lot about a person's character that they're being vulnerable that they're happy to share and they're part of this bigger community of like yeah. loving music and loving mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. yeah for sure what what would you say just thinking about the question of community what role has bobble house played for you in building community and i guess in making friends online well firstly i met you through bobble <laughs> house <laughs> I actually, oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I read your articles that you posted and then I found mm-hmm. your Instagram and mm-hmm. then I just did a deep dive on Jana, like a, <laughs> like a rabbit hole kind of, because I saw yes. your YouTube and then, oh then I found out that you were a BTS stan and like you live a very aesthetic life. And I was like, wow, <laughs> look at this girl. But yeah, I found Bobble House during the pandemic when I was mm-hmm. looking for a platform to write about my experiences with having a multicultural identity while living Mm. in the East and the West. And I was just really struggling with what that part of me is like and if other people were experiencing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, there were actually a lot of other young people, particularly other girlies, who were experiencing the same thing or had written about it. For example, I read Wen's piece on her diasporic identity and her vulnerability throughout the piece really made me connect with her emotionally even though I had mm. never met her mm. I just remember thinking wow someone who is living all the way in Amsterdam had a very similar upbringing and experience living abroad as me because I think mm. it can be kind of an isolating experience but yeah if someone is going through the same thing it kind of makes you feel a little bit better yeah a little less alone mm-hmm. it's amazing how much you can have in common with someone who seems to be living a completely different life from you I know right it's so weird like when yeah. you meet them and you look at their Instagram and you finally talk to them and they're like oh I did that too yeah oh. we have so many things in common yeah um yeah I was actually introduced to Bobble House through Liz who is another Bobble House OG mm-hmm. um yeah she's actually one of the friends that I made on Instagram because we we're both BTS fans and at one point we had a joint column on Bobble House where I think Leona described us as BTS evangelists <laughs> Real ones will remember that. Anyways, as Liz and I started talking pretty quickly, we were like, are, are we soul sisters? Like she lived in London. I lived in California, but we both crushed on like Freddie from School of Rock at the same time. <laughs> and there was like, it's just so many little beautiful ways we made each other feel seen. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people I've met through Bobble House, the community have not only inspired me, but they've also been integral in making me feel safe. 
and mm. seen in our little online bubble because the internet oh. is so vast right and kind and, of scary yeah yeah kind of scary but I know it's all like all these girlies that experience pretty similar things and if I write something or I suggest something it won't be judged and they'll probably just welcome me with open arms and I feel that way in our little bubble yeah I love our little bubble yeah (laughs) so to highlight some of the amazing voices in this community Elaine and I interviewed a few people who we've been calling bubble house OGs yes let's start with Wen Xiao a copywriter based in Amsterdam who you might remember for her blogs including normalize writing about your exes the witches of TikTok, everything I've done except for my bachelor thesis, and more. So we want to say firstly, congratulations on finishing your master's degree. That's a big, big deal. And from what I remember, it's like about media? Yeah, kind of. Uh, It's about dating apps, actually. I did Mm. my bachelor thesis on Depop. And then when I was writing my master's, I was like, okay, I know how to do like app research now. Mm. Let's keep it in the, you know, in the family. Let's try to, yeah, let's keep it in the <laughs> app family. <laughs> I did Tinder and Hinge. Fine. So I talk about how different dating apps facilitate different types of relationships just mm. through in, like user interface, you know, where what their app store descriptions are. Mm. Okay. Also, so you're based in Amsterdam. Would you say, yeah. is there anything different about dating apps and like the perception of dating apps there versus in you know North America I think in North America people are a little crazier I see <laughs> really I see what is it she what is it who is it she rates dogs on Twitter oh yeah <laughs> and it's like horrible dms I can't believe people talk to each other like that yeah it's crazy are you working on these days I'm working you know I'm adulting now I work as a yes. copywriter now I work at Scotch mm-hmm. and Soda which is a Dutch fashion company oh, nice yeah mm-hmm. There I do some, anything you see, you know, get through newsletter, emails, mm. um, website content, social copy. Mm. And I think Bubble House was kind of a gateway to that. Just come working, like writing a fashion blog to working in a fashion company. Mm, I see. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, I haven't told you this, but I loved reading your blogs when I first found Bubble House. I didn't even know I could write for them so I read a lot of the blogs first and I found your experiences living abroad I remember the one where you wrote about fighting with your mom in Paris oh and I read her that I read her that and she's like she's like are we that horrible I was like sometimes But it just reminded me so much of my relationship with my parents because when we went to Rome, it was just the exact same thing that happened. Like Mm -hmm. we went to eat Chinese food, we had Mm -hmm. fights, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of a way to like fighting. I think for Asian parents is the only way they can really communicate their emotions. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Fighting on vacation has such a specific spicy flavor to (laughs) that. (laughs) A specific trauma. Yes. People get really personal. Like my mom would say something I'm like, why would you say that right now? Yeah. Like in front of the Eiffel Tower, like wow. exactly <laughs> in front of her. <laughs> I want to know how you got involved with Bobble House in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, I got involved with Bobble House my second year of living in Amsterdam. I got mm-hmm. a DM on Instagram. Nice. And at first it was before Bobble House like fully launched. So yeah. when I got the DM, I was like, I can't find anything about this online. Yeah. Like, is this a scam? But you know <laughs> is this what if scam? it was a scam <laughs> I know right but I since I, I was on Instagram since I was like 13 14 so I think mm. I'm really used to talking to strangers so I responded and from there I think it was a video call with Ophelia mm. Leona 
mm-hmm. and they introduced me to the brand and then talked about the blog they found me through my work on adolescent content and lithium mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so from there you know kind of you know we had the whole pitching process as I'm sure you two are familiar yeah. with we, from yes. there we kind of created a backlog for the blog before officially the brand and the blog as well like mm-hmm. officially launched and then the pandemic happened yes which I felt really grateful that we still had so much creative freedom even though in the pandemic we couldn't really go out yeah. before the pandemic I wrote like concert reviews I went to like mm-hmm. a I think Rich Brian and then the mm. Lizzo concert as well and I documented that for Bobble House mm-hmm. so what inspired you to start writing it's also about my mom actually mm. I think everything goes back to having Asian parents when yes. I was a kid I there's a quite a big age gap between my brother and I we're seven years apart so I didn't really have anyone to talk to when I was growing up yeah just because my parents were a bit older as well when they had me so mm-hmm. my mom you know she comes home from a long day and then yeah. I want to talk to her she's like she's like, she's just, like write it down. <laughs> just write it down I'll read it later Aww. so I'll just write I'll write my little day in a story, what I did at school, you know, I'll draw a little thing on the side. Cute. And I sometimes I tell my friends, like, especially European friends that, and they were like, oh, that's horrible. I was like, no, but it's so funny to me. That's (laughs) Asian. That's Asian. It's so funny to me. I tell my mom that now. She's like, I said that to you? I was like, yeah, you said that to me, you know, but it's funny. Yeah, I feel like Asian parents, like, really leave you alone when you're a kid, which lets you... I don't know. I, I'm sure there's like conflicting opinions on that, but I think it like gives you a lot of room for creativity because you have to entertain yourself or like you have exactly. to entertain your siblings and you just have room to play and like use your imagination. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was a 13 year old on Instagram. It's not good. Yeah. I, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so I was making like One Direction fan edits on Instagram. Oh <gasps> my God. Followers. And then and my mom's like, what do you do on your phone? I'm like, nothing. I'm like, I'm reading fan, I'm reading fan fiction. Leave me alone. Exactly. What do you know? You want to know what it is? Like, mom, do you want me to show you Wattpad? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to see Wattpad. Trust me. Oh, my oh God. Wattpad. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think the most relatable stuff that I read is always about, like, multicultural identity and mm-hmm. living with Asian parents. So when I, I, when I read, actually, Loveless in Quarantine, that was, like, a yeah. whole when we're in quarantine I just needed to feel like I was connecting with someone because Mm -hmm. we're trapped in our homes Mm -hmm. and the whole piece felt like a conversation with a long distance friend um I wanted to know how you would reflect on that period of your life now since it's been almost three years Mm. it's been three years how weird is that crazy I think yeah during the quarantine it was quite strict here we had like curfews as well Mm. and then if you're walking with a friend on the street it had to be like a meter and a half apart Mm. so it just felt so weird and since I'm like international student all my friends fled home so the only ones who really stayed are you know people who who's like home country has really strict quarantine rules like Taiwan Mm. Mm. you know like I didn't want I wasn't gonna get quarantined for three weeks you know in a quarantine hotel that sounds horrible yeah staying it's one of those things that in the moment, it feels like it's never going to end. It's like a yeah, bad break yeah. almost. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, like I'm going to feel this way forever. Like mm-hmm. the pandemic's never going to end. Mm-hmm. But like looking back on it now, it feels so silly, like how much it affected like me and my friends. We're like, yeah. this is the end. I'm yeah. never going to find love again. You know, how am I gonna <laughs> We're like, someone? we can't go to concerts anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But it's like, it feels so silly now. But back then yeah. it's just like to see how so much. So serious. It, right. It was like, yeah. oh, like. You know, this is the plague all over again. Yeah. It really but, felt like that. Yeah. And then, like, the friends in the 
in Loveless in Quarantine, in the article that I interviewed, like I'm still friends with them now. And oh. everyone has like a more fruitful love life than they did in quarantine, obviously, because they, you know, they went outside, they met, like met people after yeah. quarantine. Do you think you relied on internet friends or found internet friends during that period? Definitely. <laughs> uh, it was like my second year of uni. So it was like, finally, I was meeting people that was not just like, people in my introduction week group from first year. Yeah. So, you know, I was talking to them and suddenly, boom, everyone went home. I couldn't talk to anyone. And we would have these FaceTime calls with my friends. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. on Zoom. We had birthday parties on Zoom. Oh, and I felt yeah. weird because, yeah. Yeah, I felt weird because tensions were kind of high. Yeah. Just because, you know, you were hearing about people doing things, maybe hanging out without you because you're stuck at home or yeah. there's a lot of pressure. Like maybe you're stuck with your parents and you kind of just get that negative energy you remembered having in high school, like in your ear. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everyone became really like reliant on the internet and just with their friends as well. Yeah. Like my friend, my friend, like my best friend from high school, Hannah, she does a lot of illustrations mm-hmm. from articles in, at Bobble House. Mm-hmm. We just have these like four or five hour video calls. We're mm-hmm. not even talking, you know, yeah. we're cooking and you know, I'll go take a shower and I'll come back to the call. <laughs> I forget I'm in the call. And you know, I'll talk yeah. to myself. She's like, what did you say? I was like, oh, like, I forgot you were here. Yeah. yeah. So we've been talking a lot about this concept of internet friends and Mm -hmm. in talking about it, we kind of realized that we are all internet friends, like the bobble house community. Most of us have never met in person. We are all actually just internet friends, which is such a weird thing to think about because I feel like we've all in this community, like we have all like read each other's writing and like talk to each other on Slack and it feels intimate. Like it feels like we know each other. What are your thoughts on like, what are your thoughts on internet friends, internet friendships? Like what, what makes them so special? I definitely feel like sometimes I find them more intimate than people I know in real life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some of my friends, you know, maybe I don't know them too well. I can't tell, I can't just, you know, overshare, but if I overshare with an internet friend, I don't really think much about it. Yeah. I'm not going to bump into them in the next week. You know, they're not going to yeah. give me look like I yeah. know what you said. Like, yeah, it's just a friend. Like you, you can tell them stuff. They'll tell you about their life. Sometimes you know too much about their life. But it's yes. still like, you know, one day you meet them and it's like, oh, like I in the back of your head. Like, I know this thing. Yeah. And like three mm-hmm. years ago, you told me. Right. Is that uh, what just... it is about it that makes it so special? It's like the walls are down because you're not going to see them and you know, you're not going to see them in person anytime soon. I think it's that because sometimes, yeah. you know, I'm going through something, something in real life. I just yeah. grab my phone, you know, pull yes. up Instagram, send someone a DM because I'm yes. like, I just need to rant. Yes. And it just, it just does it for me. Yeah, I get mm. that. I definitely get that. Have you guys met up with an internet friend before? I don't think I've met any of my internet friends in real life. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Because I think most of my, my big internet friendships started in quarantine. I met my friend Olivia in New York in real life a few years ago because I was visiting yeah. my brother mm-hmm. and then she lives in Boston and I was mm-hmm. like what if you came down to New York yeah and then we hung out for like three days and it was Aww. not weird. I was really worried I was really getting like super anxious the week before I'm like what yeah. if we just have nothing in common in real life yeah, yeah. But no but we had a good time like we Aww. had we had breakfast one day like near Wall Street where I ordered a steak for breakfast because uh-huh. I just like I was like I gotta do it how they do in the movies I'm gonna yeah, order a steak, steak. <laughs> 9 a.m yeah <laughs> sawing away at that thing exactly <laughs> so we end this we always ended the podcast with our one segment which is called crush corner where we basically yeah. just you you tell us who you're crushing on who are you crushing on these yeah. days are you gonna make sure they know about it <laughs> you can um you can pick someone that you're comfortable telling us you're crushing on right. I think my current like 
celebrity crush I want to yes. say is uh-huh. Tyler James Williams who is that who is that he's Gregory on Abbott Elementary oh t- yes yes yeah uh, yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah <laughs> I've been I'm- watching every week like Crazy. Oh my gosh, I'm loving the will they won't they of the two of them is just everything. Like I can't wait till season five when we finally get yeah. like another moment between them. I'm going crazy about it. And then I, I saw, I saw a, like a video of him doing like freestyle rap, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. okay. And it was good. Okay, he was good. Okay, okay. Surprisingly, I like I didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah, because I still remember him as a kid from um everybody hates chris right oh yes because he played chris rock which is so weird now okay well thank you so much when this was so much fun so nice to talk to one of our internet friends yeah thank you for having me so lovely yes next up we have chloe xiang a recent nyu graduate and current tech reporter for vice um some of our favorite bobble house blog of hers include what never seen myself on screen taught me about myself bong joon ho's legacy the films that shaped love for me and so many more okay okay so first of all congrats on graduating how did you like nyu first of all thank you so much for having me on here um i really like nyu and just being in the city Mm. i feel like you know it was definitely not your typical college experience we were basically just thrown out into new york city and you know expected to just live here and grow just like everyone else you know yeah yeah so I guess it's been pretty cool um in that sense like being able to kind of access the same resources as other New Yorkers and like Mm. feel that creative energy firsthand that's been pretty cool I felt the same way about um going to college in San Francisco like I I feel like some a lot of colleges it's like purgatory but not in a bad way like it's it's more of a transition period versus mm-hmm. going to school in a big city you're just like bam like like learn how to use public transportation like learn how to do this blah 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 without you know as much of a buffer mm-hmm. um and yeah i kind of felt the same way yeah definitely i feel like so recently i visited my friends at like their universities mm-hmm. um since i'm out of school and i just wanted to like experience the campus life and i feel like it's definitely different like yeah you know, they have like school shuttles and like school meal plans and all yeah. those things. i feel like wow like there's a lot that i haven't really experienced and it was like a whole new world to see that mm-hmm. yeah definitely now you're in the big city and you're yes. girl bossing away at vice that is so cool can you tell us a little bit more about one of the projects or subjects you've worked on as a tech reporter? Sure. So I'm at Motherboard, which is Vice's tech section. Mm. Uh, it's been really cool being on that team. I started in June, so it's almost a year now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, what's been especially crazy is that my time as a tech reporter also coincided with like the AI hype and the mm. AI. Interesting. So that's been super interesting. Like, yeah. Know, ever since chat gpt came out and the, all these other ai models people have yeah. been really focused on this you know people across all industries so i've been paying a lot of attention to that and like mm-hmm. it's been interesting because i think this is like the first really big tech boom or like mm-hmm. announcement kind of transformation thing since like you know smartphones and other right. technology like this is something that like is now being incorporated into everybody's daily life so it's been fascinating. Like I've been able to, so most recently I talked to like a bunch of like producers and like amateur musicians who are using AI to Whoa. create music, like using 
famous mm. people's voices to create new tracks and things like that. Yeah. Um, I've also talked to like, you know, on the more negative side, like people who are using AI for bad, like people who are using AI as like therapist chatbots, which always ends up really poorly. People mm. use AI to do like mug shots, which is terrible because it's like, like biased, you know, like yeah, it's going to produce an image of what humans consider criminal because it reflects like human biases. So there's right. all that AI bias that I also write about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also wrote about just like other aspects of AI. So like the human labor that goes behind AI. So you, there's actually millions of people in foreign countries who are underpaid, like training yeah. and moderating AI, which is something not a lot of people talk about. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I've been just covering all aspects of AI and tech recently. That is so interesting. You obviously have a talent and passion for writing, um, but I wanted to ask you how you first got involved with writing with the Bobble House community and what inspired you. Yeah. So how I got involved in Bobble House was that the founder, Ophelia, reached out to me. I think it was like on Instagram. She said, you know, I'm starting this company Mm -hmm. uh, and we want to launch a blog. Would you want to be a writer for it? Mm. Um, Mm. And back Back then, like I had already written some pieces. Um, I I wasn't necessarily like a journalist yet because I, ha- mm-hmm. I hadn't worked for any major publications, but I had done a lot of like indie publications. Mm-hmm. I, I have my own like feminist magazine. So I think she saw that. Wow. Um, and then I was really excited to write for Bobble House because, you know, it's honestly such an incredible platform spotlighting Asian American voices. And I yeah. love like Bobble House's mission of like, being genderless and sustainable so I was really excited and then I got to write a lot of pieces that I'm still proud of to this day that I honestly think like thank you (laughs) that like a lot of like mainstream publications don't necessarily like um have interest in yeah Yeah. exactly so like the articles you were talking about like about Bong Joon-ho and like yeah about you know my identity like those more like opinion pieces it was such a great way to like talk about that like I really appreciated the platform for that before I started writing for Bobble House I digested all of these different articles and I didn't even know that there were people experiencing the same thing as me like I was talking mm-hmm. to Jana about being like a multicultural having a multicultural identity and just mm-hmm. reconciling that for mm-hmm. the longest time and still trying to figure it out so having these very intimate and personal opinion pieces for young people to read I think mm-hmm. it's super helpful to know that they're part of a bigger community and that they're not yeah. alone yeah so thank you so, I'm just grateful for that yeah yeah definitely too. and I think even working with like Leona as mm-hmm. she's the editor-in-chief like I've never worked with an, another Asian American like editor before yeah I think people who do the same who do, do similar things to me you know that's definitely a luxury because yeah I had that again in like a in a bigger newsroom setting. Yeah, that's beautiful. So Elaine and I have been talking about internet friendships and how we've been able to foster so many of them by being involved with Bobble House. What are your thoughts on internet friendships? Do you have a lot of them? Do you make a lot of them? What makes them so special? Yeah, I love internet friendships. I feel like that's something that we've kind of seen uniquely as people who've grown up with the internet and social media because I feel Mm -hmm. like 
you know, and I was making Instagram accounts and like Twitter accounts as early as like elementary school. And then how I think how I became introduced to internet friends was actually through like fandoms. So my first social media was like dedicated to Taylor Swift. Wow. So then I like started making friends on online with like other Swifties. And then I would see like them going to concerts and like live through their lives. And then I think like since then, my relationship to social media has always been like discovering new people that are like me reaching out to them or like at least following them mutually and having that connection and I think that you know being on social media has allowed me to meet a lot of people that I would have never be able to like you know I connected to Bobble House over the internet like yeah same other photographers writers like artists poets etc that I would have never known about and it's been really cool um like taking that relationship to real life and like yeah or just existing online together that's like still really beautiful to me so we end every episode with this one segment that we call crush corner where basically you just tell us who you're crushing on so chloe who are you crushing on okay i would say paul mescal yes um, particularly in after sun which is like one of my favorite movies i've seen like Mm -hmm. all year it's insane that's another one that's a tearjerker I was crying for hours after that oh my it was gosh so good. and it was the first thing I've seen with him in it and I was like wow he's good oh you should watch normal people oh my god really he's so cute and normal people oh he's just so he's really like he like in high school he's super popular but he actually is like a really anxious person and I think he does like a really beautiful way of showing like a person that seems really cool on the outside but has like a lot of mental health issues mm. um yeah and he just he plays it really delicately I feel like it's not too I feel like some actors might take that like way too far and just be get too crazy with it but it feels so real from him wow he's I a cutie yeah he's a cutie I like his thick neck what <laughs> <laughs> does he have a thick neck he's a thick neck it's a thick one damn yeah Okay, thank you so much, Chloe, for um, just coming onto the pod. We're so grateful for you. Finally, we have someone who really helped build and shape Bobble House as we know it. She's a published author. Her poetry book is called Book of Cord. She's a community builder among Taiwanese Americans and the broader Asian diaspora. And she is our very own editor-in-chief, Leona Chen. Leona! Hello. <laughs> We're so excited to have you here. We're so grateful. Yes, thank you so much for coming. You are so special and integral to Bobble House. I really vividly remember you editing some of my first blogs and how just like excite insightful you were and how validating all of your commentary was. Um, yeah, what have been some of your favorite experiences working with the Bobble House community? Yeah, I think we love working with young writers and then we're mm-hmm. also quite young ourselves, right? Like we're, right. and I are also in our twenties. Mm-hmm. And so when we were thinking about the Bobble House writing community, mm-hmm. it was so important for us to exemplify and create a, a creative environment where we were more rooted in like curiosity than critique. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Because our brand is about community and it's really right. hard to build up a community when you care more about being right or having right. the sharpest take mm-hmm. than being thoughtful and a good listener and a good mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I'm so in awe of people who can articulate spicy takes right off the bat, mm-hmm. but it's also very reactionary and it's very mm-hmm. appropriate for 
some media outlets that would traffic in hysteria and fear and being right and wrong. Yeah. But at Bobble House, like we weren't looking for investigative journalists necessarily. Right. We wanted to platform really cool people like you who can share how they process and think about the world. So I think about like your personal essay about eating a rotisserie chicken (laughs) growing up. Um, yeah. or Elaine like your essay about being called a white girl mm-hmm. by other Asian students in Hong Kong like, mm-hmm. if you can write about the particularities of your life um, you invite a connection that is so much more meaningful yeah um, these are things I learned about you that I might not have if we weren't in that sort of editor writer relationship yeah um, so I feel really lucky that I got to read a lot of really cool work and I got to yeah. have this intimate sort of access yes to all of these writers around the world. And then I was able to help each of you articulate what you're feeling or what mm-hmm. you experienced into something that our readers have appreciated or draw comfort or inspiration or solidarity from. Yeah, we've talked, we've been talking a lot in these interviews about how intimate all of our writing is and how yeah. um, a lot of us, these things that we're writing about are topics that are close to our hearts who that like another outlet that probably wouldn't be interested in like these mm-hmm. are things that are so personal to us and bobble house like gave us a platform to yeah talk about eating rotisserie chicken with my mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like where who else wants to hear about that where else am I going to be able to get that published that it's Aww. pretty amazing yeah <laughs> and it's amazing to have you as an editor who's also like Asian American and very experienced with the nuances of our identity because I feel like being an immigrant or having a multicultural identity is so Mm -hmm. complex Mm -hmm. that other editors who may not have the same experiences might misinterpret it and not understand the experience fully so Mm -hmm. to have you as an editor is so important in this whole Mm -hmm. process and I I I feel like some writers get frustrated when they feel like they're being encouraged to write for a white reader or the white gaze. Right. Yeah. That was never our intention. It was write for the people who love you. Yeah. Who are already curious about you and you will create create something fantastic and juicy and interesting. Yeah. For sure. That's beautiful. Write for the people who love you. I'm going to remember that. And how did you and Ophelia first find the writers for Bobble Blogs? So like, for example, Chloe and when? Um, I think it was just about finding people who had those same qualities of curiosity, mm-hmm. um, who were thoughtful about their own lives and were able to articulate that online. Mm-hmm. And I've always been drawn to cool girls on the internet, right? Yes. <laughs> this working title has emboldened me to reach out for the first time um, because I would have like an opportunity to offer them Mm. or I can reach out on behalf of Bobble House, which takes the pressure off of me as a random girl who's just reaching out (laughs) to fangirl over them. Um, And so I think we were always trying to find people who had a really fluid take on the world around them. We wanted people to be able to change their minds Mm. who wants to be known for an opinion they had when they were 20 years old right like nobody yeah Yeah. Um, and so creating a culture that was full of grace and um open-mindedness and generosity for each other yeah did you so in reaching out to people did our like social media profiles presence make any have any effect on your decisions 
or you wanting to work with us. And it wasn't just your profiles. It was also how you would pitch stories to us and Mm. tell us what you were curious and interested in writing about. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like whenever I circulated pitches, it was always, here's what I think is interesting. Yeah. And to tell me like, no one cares about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> here's what's on my mind. And those were the best stories to be able to share, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because I could only speak from my vantage point and my perspective and ask, does anybody else feel this way? And you guys right. were me, not really, but here's <laughs> how I'm thinking about what I'm going through and why mm-hmm. he and why I think it's meaningful mm-hmm. and I love that aspect of our working relationship in that when you're writing you have to be so intentional about communicating why things matter to you right. and it sucks me in and helps mm-hmm. me understand who you are as a person and why these things matter to you right and using these social media profiles and then reaching out do you feel like you were able to make new internet friends and did you consider us like initially as your internet friends or maybe even now are we internet friends yeah are we your internet friends of course (laughs) and I feel like we got to skip all the small talk right yes juicy intimate stuff yeah and so it's such a fun way to develop closeness and intimacy with people Mm -hmm. is to read their work and then also like you guys trusted me to make suggestions yeah tease out some more detail or perspective or reflection that maybe wasn't available in your first draft. Mm. But if I asked the right questions, and hopefully I did, we'd be able to get into a deeper conversation about whatever it is you were writing about. Yeah, right. I think you hit the nail on the head too with um, with internet friends. You get to skip the small talk because you're when someone reaches out to you, you're talking about something specific. So you're going to mm. skip like, how are you? How was your day? Like, what did you yeah. do today? it's so hot. It's so cold, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And that, that is kind of the beautiful thing about meeting people online. One of the best ways I think to make internet friends is to interview them for a piece, right? Because then you have the pretense oh. of like, oh, this is for work. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. There's a, a third purpose. Yes. Person just wanting to get to know them. Mm-hmm. And then I love the approach we take at Bobble House mm-hmm. when doing interviews in that we really care about the experience and exploration of a person much more than this final version of them that yeah. they present out to the world. Yeah. Um, so like an example would be journalists don't inherently have to be concerned with flattery or right. the emotional response of their subjects, right? Like right. relationships and access and fact-checking are important, mm-hmm. but the approach we take is like, what happens when we get to ask someone, is this how you want your story to be told? Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens when we get to share through this conversation and the process of your own myth-making, mm-hmm. when we get to be with people as they decide who they want to be? Um, mm-hmm. I love asking based on different conversations, like, does this feel authentic to you? Yeah. And it's the same ethos that you guys and I have, right? It's, I'll make suggestions, Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it is your work. Yeah. And I want you to feel like any fingerprints I have on it still lead back to you. Yeah. So it's, it's been so fun to use this as a framework for developing our relationships. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Think- you're so empathetic with your editing. And I think that's exactly. what makes you so, makes us all feel so safe with you and with you reading our work. Oh, I yeah. just feel like you're much cooler than I am. And I'm always so not true <laughs> interested in like what you have to say. Mm. And I think when you approach anybody, like 
even if you're not a writer, if you're just a person and you approach other people with curiosity, yeah, what they have to say, yeah, those relationships are so much richer, mm-hmm. yeah, speaking to be heard, yeah, versus, like, we're writing to be read, I'm reading to understand, yeah. That's a really nice way of putting that. It's um like interested, interesting people are interested. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like sharing that piece of work with you as an editor, I think I was a bit nervous in the beginning, but then mm-hmm. it allowed me to open up so much and feel like I have a personal connection with you because you understood where I was coming from. You were asking like questions that I didn't even think about, like about my own experiences. Yeah. I was like, dang, she really understands me like on a spiritual level. Like, how does she know me like this? So it kind of breaks down those barriers that you have when you first meet someone where Mm -hmm. you're just like a bit awkward, but you're reading like the most intimate parts of my life and what I write about. So that is just such a crazy phenomenon to have Mm -hmm. as internet friends and this editor writer dynamic. Yeah. Finally, you are obviously so accomplished. Elaine and I both admire you so much, which I'm sure you can tell from this conversation. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Do you have any advice for people like us who are in earlier stages in our careers and who want to prioritize our passions and our values in our work like you do? Yeah, I would say I think there's, for most people, no Mm -hmm. such thing as a dream job Mm, or a dream job, but there is a way to approach your life with intention so that you can do all of the things that you want to do yeah I have a full-time salaried occupation and it's very corporate but Mm -hmm. I don't treat it as this passionless day job that I only use for the salary Mm -hmm. Um, it's still something that excites me that challenges Mm -hmm. me that Mm -hmm. I get to grow through Mm -hmm. Um, I also do a lot of things outside of that both paid and unpaid Mm -hmm. and they've helped me live a life that feels very balanced Mm. rather than trying to find one occupation that does everything for me right Mm -hmm. if you think about when you were growing up and you had school but then you also had all of these extracurricular activities that made you feel like a person yes take that same approach in adulthood like I know you take ballet classes um, the ability to construct all these different elements that make up of life is so much more fun than trying to find one thing you do that has to accommodate all these different aspects of you yeah, um, I'm sure some people have dream jobs, but for the rest of us, yeah, <laughs> I think it's very possible to pursue as dreamy of a life as you can possibly do. Wow, That's, I, love I feel like it's a lot more that. realistic too, honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, especially when you feel like you're a person with multiple talents and yes. skills and interests. Multifaceted, yeah, yeah, it's so unfair to ask one job or one company to be able to hold all of that in a way that is dignified mm. and meaningful to you Mm -hmm. and you also don't want to give all of yourself to any one thing right exactly yeah Um, so find something where you can create pockets for yourself in other Mm -hmm. areas and explore and find adult hobbies Mm -hmm. Um, I think has been really fun I tried golfing oh my gosh how was that I'm so bad at it (laughs) but there's something really empowering about Uh deciding that I can try something and not be good at it I love Mm -hmm. that yeah what are you guys trying in adulthood um, I'm trying ballet. I'm trying to learn Mandarin as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I feel very, I'm trying to just like really have like a beginner's mindset and all these things and just be like, I'm here to learn ballet, especially, um, when I first started, it was the first dance class I'd ever taken in my life. And I'm so just not a natural dancer at all. Like everything feels not natural to me. Um, but I, 
it's kind of refreshing. Like I kind of, it feels good to try something, even if you're bad at it. Like I'm not expecting to become a professional dancer. I'm doing this because I enjoy it and it's okay to be bad at things and it feels kind of good. Yeah. I I agree. It's liberating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like rock climbing because I realized Mm. it's one of the only things that takes me away from being online all the time so tactile yeah Mm. because I'm literally thinking about like risking my whole life when I'm (laughs) climbing these walls I'm like oh my god am I gonna die right now yeah so I don't even have time to like check my phone or look at that yeah and I just feel so much more at peace because Mm. of this hobby but it's Mm. also super fun but you get you do get hurt pretty easily like Mm. because I'm just clumsy Mm. but I guess we have such contrasting hobbies ballet and rock climbing (laughs) <laughs> and golf would you do and it again? I know you're a runner too Leona right oh yeah I ran a marathon um, in March <laughs> I feel like I haven't traveled 26 miles in, over the course of my whole life <laughs> like <laughs> running <laughs> that's uh, amazing the thing that got me through it is you don't have to win you just have to finish and yes you're not I love that against anybody but yourself which was to your point, the most liberating thing when like all yes. of us come from very achievement oriented cultures, right? Something for the sake of doing it within your own limitations is so mentally freeing. It is. At the same yeah. time, I cried during the marathon. Like really? I was 22, I was like sobbing. It was also pouring rain the entire time. Wow. Um, but I Wait, were you sobbing like with emotion or because it was like physical? Because I was in pain. Oh, <laughs> like, God. like sad tears. I literally called oh, my no. boyfriend and was like, I don't think I can finish. Oh. <laughs> well, and you how- did. But I finished. That is such a huge accomplishment. That's amazing. It was a it was a good feeling to have committed to something. And yes. then it. something I think about a lot is that confidence comes from setting and keeping promises to yourself yeah as someone who can be like really shy and anxious Mm. being able to set goals and meet them has helped Mm. develop so much confidence wow okay leona so as you might know we end every episode with our one and only segment which is called crush corner who are you crushing on Oh man, I was gonna prep something so sophisticated and worldly for this. You're like Joan Didion. I think I'm just gonna soft launch my relationship. I'm crushing on my boyfriend. Follow the house exclusive. In a public capacity. Oh, that is close right now. I'm very happy. (laughs) How'd you guys meet? We met in 2019. Uh huh um on hinge hinge nice yeah oh my gosh wow wait there has been so many discussions about dating apps today that's true yeah even though you guys not not you specifically leona but everyone talks trash about dating apps yeah all of y'all have found relationships through dating apps like when as well she found her boyfriend through tinder yeah Jana, you threw Bumble. Bumble, so it yeah. Can't be that, it can't be all that out there. You just need one good one. Exactly. But <laughs> And it's hard to find the one good one, though. That's like, how many hours, Leona, do you think you spent swiping before you, <laughs> you found your boyfriend? I'm probably an anomaly in that very few. Like, oh, okay. I was on the app for maybe half a day, picked him, then went for it. Wow. Some things are just <laughs> meant to be. That's beautiful. See, mm. I only started, I only got back on the apps because my roommates were like, I, they were starting to go on dates. So mm. I was like, 
I have FOMO. I don't want to be like stuck at home. So I'm just going to like download this again and see what happened. And I ended up like finding my person, which is crazy. And it's amazing. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Leona. This was so special and wonderful. We're so grateful to just have you as our editor and support system at Bobble House. Okay, so that was our last interview with the wonderful woman of Bobble House. And to close things off for this episode, we're, of course, going to end with our Crush Corner segment. So, Jana, who are you crushing on this week? Okay, this week I'm crushing on a couple, actually, because they're so cute together. Do you follow Cabbages on um, TikTok or Instagram? No, but are they a cooking channel? Yes, and they're the cutest couple. They're um, I've heard of them. Yes, I believe the girl, her name is Anna. She's half Japanese, and I believe the guy, his name is Kevin. I think I saw somewhere he's half Japanese, half Chinese. I don't know. Um, but they're so cute, and their food looks so delicious. So good. And yeah, and they're just like a really wholesome follow, and I really enjoy following them. Yeah, it makes you want to get in the kitchen with your bae. Yes, and they're gorgeous. So they are my crush of the week. Oh, I've never seen what they look like, so maybe I have to Google that. Yes. What about you? Who are you crushing on? Okay, we're getting bombarded with a lot of Barbie promotion, and yes. I can't help but just fall in love with Ryan Gosling as Ken. Oh, uh, he's great. <laughs> he's just fully embracing it, and I yeah. love every aspect of that. I stand. Yeah. We stand. Okay, amazing. Well, that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Bye. Bye.